So it must have been nice to get it, you know, when you open up the uh, the trainer's bag, and instead of just like iodine and Band-Aid brand Band-Aids, yeah. there was like some actual stuff in there. Well, the trainer prior to me was an old NFL, they called him Doc, um, you know, one of those old, really old, I'm not even sure if he was certified. Would have the guys would tell me he'd have he'd have he'd have beer in the ice machine. <laughs> Hated to treat women athletes, uh, you know, was split. So I first thing I did was brought it together. And I'll tell you what, one of the most important things I did right out of the bat is I had to find an orthopedic surgeon. Welcome everybody, Westcon Football Podcast. Bart Pasterno with you, Coach Joe Lothman, myth and legend. We're going to have a special guest joining us very, very shortly. The man who has kept more people, Coach Loth, in shape and ready to go for action here in the athletic department. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, my favorite athletic trainer I've ever worked for, uh, worked with and worked for. Uh, he, he's been the athletic trainer here since the 1980s, like before I was born, actually. <laughs> And uh, he does a great job. A big announcement today. We'll talk about that when we bring Mark on. Uh, But he's the best and uh, excited to talk to Mark here today. All right. Mark Allen's coming at you. Want to remind you that the whole podcast, Kit and Caboodle, being brought to you by Tactical Construction. We'll have details on them a little bit later. Got to give a big shout out to our, our folks of Vision Designs and Soho Pizza, because it's so ho good. Without a question, the sponsors are starting to pile on and pile up, and exciting for us football-wise to be able to partner with these great businesses around Danbury. Westcon Football Podcast back in just a moment with special guest Mark Allen, so don't go away. Podcast is brought to you by Tactical Construction Services, LLC. It's a local business, veteran-owned and operated, that has been in business since 2005. Over 15 years of experience. They specialize in all your home improvement, exterior needs, and guarantee you a job well done. All the way from roofing and siding to windows, they're your guys. They strive to exceed the homeowner's expectations each and every time to get the job done the way you want it. They work in a timely fashion and always pay attention to detail, proudly serving Danbury and the surrounding areas. They're claim specialists. They provide free estimates. Call them today. The phone number, 203-460-2400. That's 203-460-2400. You can email them, info at tacticalconstruction.com svcs.com that's info at tactical construction svcs.com or stop by their local offices across from student lanterns right on federal road welcome back everybody to the westcon football podcast bart pasterna coach joe loth and our very special guest the ultimate trainer of all time, Mr. Mark Allen. Coach, his, his, this is like being in the presence of royalty. No question. You know why? Because we've had a lot of people on the podcast. And I always talk about the great thing about this podcast is talking about the history of West Con football, having people from every era here. But there's only one guy that from everyone we've been here until this point has met them all, 
worked with them all, potentially treated them in the training room. Like he's he may be the biggest historian of WestCon football. And uh, so excited to get Mark on here, and uh, we're gonna have a couple announcements with Mark. But uh, welcome, Mark Allen. Thank you, Joe Bart. I'm happy to be here. I've heard the other podcasts; they were uh, enjoyable and um, brought back great memories. Uh, and I'm glad to be here. Okay. Let's see if I can add to that. So, so the big question I have for you, from Mark, is: uh, Do you have anything you'd like to uh, announce or anything? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, pro- pro- probably the, the biggest announcement is I am retiring. As of this coming week, uh, it's been 40 years. Wow. Uh, my wife, Terry, has um, been after me, you know. To, <laughs> yeah. And it was either this year or next year, so um, it, it seemed like this was the good, the good timing to do it. There's no good timing. I still don't know if it's the right decision. I, I, I think it will be, but, um, you know, this has been a, a great career for me. I mean, there's nothing better than being around um, coaches, you know, uh, college athletes, uh, many of who become my lifelong friends. Uh, so it, it, it's just been a great journey. How, how did you come to WestCon, though? Because well, uh, the, the word was, you can correct me if I'm wrong, sure. Mark Allen, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, the word was uh, you were ticketed to be, you know, playing center for the Boston Bruins. <laughs> and then, yeah. whoosh, there you go, you're at Westcott. Well, I, that that's a jump, <laughs> to say it mildly. But, um, Maybe I, four. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I came from a big family. I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, you know, I was one of seven, father, World War II vet, you know, factory worker, stay-at-home mom. Uh, and athletics was always a big part of our, you know, uh, our daily activities, whether it be organized or non-organized. Um, we played every sport, and uh, I wasn't sure. I actually went to a trade school to become an electrician, and, um, but I really wanted to go to college, and I ended up, uh, one of my good friends back then was, uh, had a sister who was an uh, athletic trainer going to school at UMass Amherst. Uh, I had no idea what that was because we didn't have trainers back then. <laughs> um, and uh, so when I, I saw her and she talked about it and I, and I talked to uh, my buddy John and uh, it seemed like, a, you know, I like science and I liked athletics and it seemed like the perfect match for me. Uh, so that's, um, that's when I went to Westfield State College and enrolled in their athletic training program. And, uh, you know, I met a guy in the program who ended up being down here and it was a part-time trainer, Mark Sullivan, who then ended up going into uh, UConn and is a physical therapist now. And uh, he couldn't take the, the full-time job on paper, but it was w- woefully not a full-time paying job. <laughs> it was, you know, I don't know if my first was 9000 or $8,000, but, um, you know, so I came down here, uh, George Ed Kenny, uh, you may remember, Barbara. Yep. Uh, she, she was uh, the AD then, and um, she hired me, and um, that's when it all started. I got hired in eight, 1982, the same year that Paul came in, Pasqualoni. And um, there was a lot of changes. It was really an archaic program when I first came in. I worked out of a closet, you know, for the most part over at Midtown and uh, across from the old uh, uh, equipment room. And uh, and it's just progressively grown from there. Uh, We we had great people in place then who wanted to see the program go administratively. So it was a fast rise, as I'm sure you remember, you know, with Paul. And I think uh, Paul was the right guy for the right time. He just came in with a ton of energy, uh, a football mind, uh, football mentality, and um, he just drove us when, I mean, what were we like, a one and seven, two and seven, then what would we go, seven and 
two, seven and three, nine and one. I mean, it, it maybe took two years. Ran the wishbone offense, yeah. you know, so he didn't have to go searching for. I think that was, you know, like you just need a good quarterback. Some, uh, you know, it was easier to to win quicker. I think I'm not a football coach, yeah. but uh, no, 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 no. Um, and he, he could get some. You know, we got a, a guy named Wade Miller out of New York. Wade Miller and uh, Tommy uh, Delahanty. No, Tommy Hardman was also, you know, back there too. Could throw the ball actually. And we had great running backs, yep. you know, that uh, that helped spur us on. So th- that, that was a transition of me going to Western and then progressively, you know, just things changed. Yeah, I mean, everything was in a, a closet back then. Coaches, <laughs> coaches yeah. were working out of closets. I don't think there was even a light bulb in the weight room because when you, you, you open it up, the creaky door, and you would see some stuff that might look like weights uh, on the – on the floor, but you know, so really, uh, you coming in and being, for all intents and purposes, a full-time trainer, yes, and then Paul being a, a catalyst because you could not say no. How could you say no when a man is is being so reasonable? Yeah, tell <laughs> me the story. You told me a story about Coach P kind of convincing you to yeah to to, to not go home on the weekends, things like that. <laughs> you know he. And everyone there was, you know, and I'm sure Joe, your coach is literally sleeping on the yep. floor. Yep. Uh, back then, I, I heard Buddy Leonard talking and how, uh, you know, those guys were constantly on the, the film and real film, and uh, back and, and forth, and, yeah, film, and yeah. cutting it, and um, and you know, post game, someone would drive down to Jersey and hand the, hand it off, and it'd have to be back the next day. I mean, it was just, you know, 24/7, literally. And, um, you know, and he came to me and said, hey, listen, I need you to, you know, be around for our players. And um, I know it's part time, but if, you know, if you put in the time, put in the work, you know, you're going to benefit from this. And um, it was true. I mean, I, I, you know, I cut my teeth under Paul. I got a little taste of it when I was at Boston College working football there. Um, but I wasn't the man or, you know, one, you know, I was a lowly guy. But, um, you know, with Paul, I really, you know, learned what it was like to um, work in athletics and, you know, not just football, but just right on down the line. I mean, you had Jody Rachela, you had Bob Campbell, all young guys and and women coming in that were thirsty and they wanted to win. And and, and Paul certainly was of that ilk, to say it mildly. I mean... Well, and they had all been places. Obviously, Coach P had played at at Penn State, but but he had been at various levels of football so you know he had expectations uh jody had even played pro ball she had sure. expectations and and you know soupy yukon guy yeah you know it's like hello so it must have been nice to get it you know when you open up the uh, the trainer's bag and instead of just like iodine and band-aid brand band-aids yeah there was like some actual stuff in there well the trainer prior to me was an old nfl they called him Doc. Um, you know, one of those old, really old. I'm not even sure if he was certified. But the guys <laughs> tell me he'd have, he'd have he'd have beer in the ice machine. <laughs> Hated to treat women athletes. Yeah. Uh, you know, was split. So the first thing I did was brought it together. And I'll tell you what. One of the most important things I did right out of the bat is I had to find an orthopedic surgeon. You know, who could take care of our players, who we could send our players to. And that guy, first guy up was uh, Craig Foster, who was like a you know, everyone in Danbury knows him, although he's he's moved on from uh, um, Ortho, Connecticut, as it's called now. But he was the main impetus and, you know, behind the doors. Hey, listen, 
the president, or you know, he went to all those upper echelon parties and said, "Listen, you know, Mark needs this. Mark needs that." And uh, you know, we, we, he was vital in the, in the growth of our program early on. And then he's the one who brought in Mike Brand, who was just you know taking it to another level on, over these years. Well, you had to have those advocates back in the day; otherwise, it wasn't going to move forward. Unfortunately, at, at that point in time, uh, Westcon Athletics was getting some community advocates uh, in a way, but it still all comes down to the people who were there and uh, right place, right time. It was a lot of quick lightning strikes there with the right people coming into place that uh, I'm not saying it made it easier for you, but it, it had to make you believe that things were moving forward. Sure. Sure. And it, and it was there. Uh, Rich Sullivan, uh, you know, the, the president we had back then, uh, Stephen Feldman uh, and you know everyone who was under it. Frank Muska was huge, you know, in in supporting you know athletics and football and its growth, and uh, and I think that was vital. And then, like I said, on you, you had Paul, that was just you know you wouldn't take no for an answer and was uh, just you know was getting the kids that we wouldn't get before. He's getting transfers in, uh, and um, you know he was just an important part of the whole process of you know this football program becoming what it is today. And, and I think that's what people don't realize. It's the people on campus that can make the difference in any athletic program. A lot of times are people that are across campus. You know, it's people that make decisions even above the athletic director, whether it's the president, having a president that's really pro, you know, athletics or or a student, you know, vice president about pro athletics. Oh, without and, a doubt. and that's it sounds like that's that was yeah, in place. That was definitely and if you know, and if they turn their backs and they're then, then it, it, there's, it's not going to grow, yep. you know, the, the way that, we, you know, that it did back then. Um, and, you know, and then we had Ed Farrington as our AD who for 29 years who did a great job, you know, um, who was also under Paul on his staff when yep. he first came to Western. Yep. Um, he was, I think he was, was he the AD over at um, Joe, Joe Barlow? Joe Barlow. Yeah. You know, and he was coming, then he was coming over here. You know, you had guys like John Zinzer Sr. from Bethel, I don't know if you remember him, and, you know, we were practicing everywhere. He, he would bring his farm truck and take all the, you know, the bags over to, you know, Danbury High School. To pra- I mean, we would practice wherever we could. We'd pr- I remember practicing where the new parking lot is at uh, Midtown. Uh, it's not so new now, but that was just to be an open park. We would practice there. We'd practice, remember, across the street, uh, <laughs> that dirt field there. And we'd walk across there. And, and, I'm, not, and I'm not lying when I tell you this. And you know, maybe... Uh, some of the other people have alluded to it, but we would, we would, any players with cars or coaching staff, myself included, we'd park our cars around the field and we'd turn the lights on in the cars when it was. Is that the place to, across from Brookshire? That field? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Coach Leonard was talking about then there'd be people come out and just watch practice. Yeah, and it was like as hard as a rock. I had shin splints like you don't know. <laughs> People, they're playing. They're complaining now about it, you know, on the <laughs> AstroTurf field because that field now we have is probably about 12 years old, yeah. you know, and that can lead to that will lead to uh, more you know, shin stint, shin splint type things. But boy, oh boy, you know, I I, I can uh, story wise, I can remember. Let me tell you a buddy Ludden story. You know, I'm uh, I'm in the training room and um, Frank was, I don't want to say high strung, but was this was, a story you'd say to his face? Oh yeah, de- okay. definitely. Just want to make sure. Yeah, definitely. None of these are bad things that he was. Oh my God! But um, he, he ran a couple kids. I think Nicky Mangiello may have been one of them. And uh, 
And uh, is it my? Is I telling you the truth? You're telling the truth. <laughs> and, and I was. It was Mangiello. I don't know who else it was. Was it Hackett? I can't remember. But you were running them, and as they ran, they maybe they smiled. So you were running with them, screaming at them the whole time. <laughs> And then you come back into the training room. You got a bloody nose, and you were worried that you were you were having like a seizure or, or you were dying. That's exactly right. Yes. You know, I remember that. I remember that. That's exactly. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. Yes, thank you. Good to hear. I'm, Congratulations. Every once, yeah, That's usually awesome. usually I see you once every couple of years when you're heading down to PA. You know, I mean, especially I when you're at BC, yeah. uh, recruiting. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, I always loved, I, w- I was saying to Joe uh, before when I, I, I was on the podcast, I always loved stopping in and and, to, um, and saying hello to you and visiting with you. And yeah. uh, when uh, when I found out you were retiring, I was just so happy for you and your family. And uh, all those stories you tell, man, that 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 was that field across from Berkshire Hall, that thing was <laughs> as hard as rock and yes. had glass. And the and the Vietnamese community, yeah. I was telling Joe, they used to sit there and watch us in the Saigon squat for like yeah. two hours. <laughs> now Frank, is that story is this, there's a central story that I heard about you. I don't know if Adazio told it or something about oh, you're coming out to a game one time and you actually lit your helmet on fire. Is that true or is that all false? <laughs> that was in a practice. Oh, okay. in that was a practice before Southern Connecticut, and I think I was either a junior or a senior, but we try not to tell those stories. Yeah. Hopefully my wife is not listening to this in my car. Coach Leonard, what, what do you remember most about your time with Mark Allen and, uh, and his staff? Um, you know, he because really, when you were here as as a coach, when you you were Buddy Leonard, big big bullet, Buddy Leonard's here. You know, when you guys were here, things were really just developing. And yeah, but we we mentioned what a, you know what a purpose was put out there, and people followed and followed and followed, and, and so you had you had yourself a real bonafide trainer, something previously wasn't necessarily uh, here. So talk a little bit about that time. There's a couple of things I remember. Number one, uh, I can remember, and Mark has alluded to it, I'm sure a bunch of people have as myself, uh, the poor guy had to work out of a closet (laughs) across from the Berkshire gym. Now, our first year, that might have been fine when we had, I don't know, 32, maybe 38 players. That might have been fine. But then, as Mark alluded to earlier in the in, in the podcast, we then did our you know we recruited, and we had Mark well we maybe not a hundred but we probably had ninety kids on the team in 1983. Sure. When we moved when we moved over to uh, you know the campus and started practicing on the the field that we all made, and the thing I remember most, quite frankly, and I mean this with all sincerity, and it's not because Mark is retiring. I think it's one of the reasons why I always stopped by to see Mark. I think he handled the players, the staff, the administration with a wonderful demeanor. I mean, he was around a bunch of high-strung guys, a driving head football coach, and a bunch of inexperienced guys. Let's tell it like it is. And and Mark, um, and I'm being, all, I'm being very sincere about this, always handled himself with the utmost class, and did a tremendous job. 
you know, I don't think, I'm sure he will remember this. I'm sure some of the folks out there, one of his toughest assignments is we had a guard. His name was Pepe Vawa. Mark, do you remember him? Yes. And not only did he have to repair, now I don't think it, it wasn't an ACL, but he had both knees, both knees, not one knee. Mark had to take care of this fellow who was a starter for us. And he had torn cartilage in both of his knees. So both of his knees had to get repaired. And Mark did a wonderful job um, getting him ready for the 83 season. I think that was his last year that he played. And um, it didn't help that we ran the wishbone. Wasn't he a center? In, in no. Uh, well, he might have been. I now, but he definitely played. No, he wasn't the center mark. He was. A, he was a guard, and uh, and he was a muscular kid. And, and I remember he had two knees, and you had to, re, you know, right. we had to repair him. Doctor Doc Foster was such a super guy. Boy, when you mentioned that name, that brought back such wonderful memories. But Mark always did it with class. Mark was always very thorough. And uh, quite frankly, I don't remember too many guys missing games. It was a different time. But Mark, albeit a pleasant demeanor, was very thorough in, uh, in his ability to get guys back on the field. Very stern, but with, again, a wonderful demeanor about not making anybody feel uh, um, bad about if they were injured. And, and, I just, and again, uh, that's why I chose to. After 40-something years, 30-something, whatever, uh, up until the time I was at BC, when I could, when I was going to Pennsylvania, I always stopped by when I could and spent, you know, spent a half hour, hour just visiting with Mark in the new training room down in the field house on, on, on the West Side campus. Yeah, it's a little, a little different these days, right? Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very, you know, I, uh, you know, all the, you know, certainly the coaching staff, the players, the administration deserve that facility. It's been a while. As a matter of fact, uh, I was talking to Joe one of these days as I'm heading back from Penn State on my way. My family's in Boston. I'd certainly like to stop by again and see what it looks like. I'm sure it's uh, you know it, it's still a, a wonderful facility. But uh, um, I think it's great, Mark. Uh, that now, now, how many children, Mark, do you have? I have four. Four kids. Yeah. God. Unbelievable. How all, old are they now? All out of the house. All out of the house. And I've got a 17-year-old. And a fifteen-year-old, and I'm a little older. Than yeah, you, my my daughter's at Wheaton College. She's Is an that al- right? she's in athletics, and uh, I have two boys that are hockey guys. Hockey guys. They're in the in the prep school setting, um, coaching and in, in admissions. And then uh, my middle really? son's the only smart one. He's in finance. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went to Scranton down there. What you gonna do with your retirement? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe come back here. I don't know. Work part time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do something. Go figure something. Yeah, golf a little more. Yeah, I hear you. you. Know. I hear you. Um, Somebody, one of the coaches just asked me the other day on our staff, said, Coach, uh, how much longer are you going to do this? And I said, mm, that's a good question. I said, I'm not sure. I said, as long as I enjoy it. So, I mean, you know, if it's something you still enjoy, you could do it part-time or, or help out at a high school. That I think that would be great because, again, you have a wonderful demeanor about you. That's what the profession certainly needs, both in coaching and in athletic training and, and, and all of sports. Well, thank you, Frank. Um, I, I got to tell you, the only it, it amazes me that this man is retiring because, it, honestly, Coach Leonard, if you if you asked if you said put money on people who will never ever retire, Mark Allen and Buddy Leonard, because. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm still going. I'm sure he'll. 
I'm sure he'll fill the void with something. I'm sure it will be in something in athletics, and uh, um, and, and and I'm sure whatever he does, he'll do it with as much class as he's done the first 40 years of his professional career. Those, those were good times, Frank. Those were oh. really, we were all young, and yeah. we didn't, you, really, you didn't know better, you know? Lack of we, sleep. We and Oh, my God. I, I was telling Joe about when uh, um, Coach Petraccio and I, of course, I'm repeating the story, but when during preseason camp, once we were on campus, and we'd have to go move the irrigation system at midnight. <laughs> and, and, oh my God, we were, we were, you know, we were exhausted. But you know, like you alluded to, Coach Pascaloni um, certainly talked about um, George Ed Ash Kennedy being the first AD, and then certainly Coach Farrington, who certainly helped me in my career. And then, um, you know, uh, I tell you, Frank Muska. You know, I don't know where uh, um, Frank is now, but he certainly was a big part of the development and the enhancement, enhancement of football. Absolutely. And uh, you're right, we were all young. We all got to make mistakes, yeah. I mean, but we, we kind of fought through it. We had a great leader in Coach Pascaloni, and yes. uh, it was a marvelous, marvelous experience. Yeah, I learned a lot uh, during that yeah. time on how to operate, on, especially a football program. But what would you consider, I'm not, we're interviewing you, but uh, <laughs> when I look back, it, it, I kind of look at, you know, what was the great wins, you know, and I look at that. I look at that Hofstra game, you know, because it, I, I thought we had to win that game because we couldn't beat Plymouth State then. Uh, but I, didn't we get a bid to go to the NCAA? Because you know, we had yeah, to win. we had to beat Hofstra, fact, something like that, I right? To, I was talking to Steve Adagio this morning. Remember now, I was there in '82, '83, '84. Yeah. Then I went back to my alma mater '85 and '86, and Steve Adagio called me. We talked every single day because um, obviously we were college teammates and worked together. But in you continued to be in the NEFC, I believe, two, eight, three, four, in '85. Um, but in '86, I think you went independent and you okay. beat Hofstra, and you and you played Springfield College. But when I was there, Mark, we could never beat Plymouth State because no. they had Joe Dudek. But I don't know if you remember, our first year we were two and seven, as I said on a previous podcast. Our second year we were seven and three, and we got beat by Plymouth State. We got beat by Mass Maritime, uh, and we got beat by Nichols on a Hail Mary at the end of the game. But in uh, 1984, it was huge. The only game we lost was to, again, Joe Dudek and Plymouth State. But if you remember, you may or may not remember, Tommy Hardiman was in his sister's wedding, so he <laughs> could not travel with us to Mass Maritime. And we had to play Mass Maritime at Mass Maritime. And we won. Uh, uh, um, we won the game. And I forgot who the quarterback was. It might have been a fellow named Joe. I, 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 it's the tip of my tongue. But at the end of the game, I'll never forget it. You remember when we all jumped in Mass Maritime's pool? Because that's where we <laughs> yeah. got dressed. And that, yeah. that was a huge victory. I'll tell you what, Coach, uh, Coach Rippon was talking was about that last victory. week. Yeah, Coach Rippon was talking about that last week on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We were we we, we all jumped in the pool, and <laughs> yeah, we great. were, oh, my God. That was a huge win for us now. Being, and, and Coast Guard, Coast Guard beating Coast Guard at Coast Guard in 1983 was our opening game down there um that was a huge game for us too now yeah we, yeah we had, yeah those were that was a big game i enjoyed it yeah for sure you guys brought up and dr Feldman 
uh, former president, and you brought up Dr. Uh, Frank Muska. Both of you guys did. And uh, I just want to say, because I don't want to give the impression to people that it was, you know, these guys came in and they were just all about athletics. They were guys who I thought were visionary. Uh, oh, yeah. Simply because they realized what athletics could do for the university no as a as a whole. And, and so... That's why I think ultimately they deserve. Look, they wouldn't have named part of the uh, the basketball arena uh, after Dr. Feldman, part of the uh, O'Neill Center after Dr. Feldman, yeah. and Dr. Muska should have his plaque somewhere. But he's a Hall of Famer as as Mark Allen is here at Westcom. But I think that's the bottom line with those guys is that they realized what it all could bring to the university in terms of enrollment, in terms of student-athletes, in terms of alumni coming back to the fold. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Ed, and, you know, Ed, I think Ed so, played a big role in that too, Frank. Oh, yeah. Ed Farrington, There's you no know, question. just... Uh, and Jody did. Yeah. And Sue Campbell did. They all did, you know. And I don't know if you remember... Wayne Moniz on God. soccer back then. Wayne Moniz! I mean... Oh, <laughs> oh baby! Part-time yeah, guy. Baby. Yeah, they, 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 you know, and, and the baseball team, they won some games. They yep. played in that field down, oh, God, I don't even remember where it was. Hit the, hit the they, tree they, and get a home run. Was that Capitalist back then? No, that was Cary yeah. Field. Cary Field. Yeah, it was over near the Yeah, Cary Field, yeah. right. Cary Field with Coach Capitalist. And then, I don't know if you remember Tommy. Tommy took over the baseball team once. The, uh, uh, his dad was an AD. He was coached our quarterbacks back in 84, I think. And, and uh, then became a offensive coordinator at Northeastern University, but he was the baseball coach one year. But all those guys, certainly Soup Campbell, Jody, um, they did a great job uh, with the basketball program along with football and certainly other sports. But, yeah, um, yeah Coach Farrington, let me tell you something, Coach Farrington was terrific to me, and uh, I think the world of Ed Farrington now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's so good to see – you two guys, for for a big reason, such a big part of, uh, of Westcon history, but at the same time, a great example of of good guys who've done good things and have had outstanding careers. These are the kind of examples you know you want to show kids out there. You want to say, hey, there's a, there's a, an athletic training. You want to, you want you want the uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica uh, definition and, and picture of an athletic trainer, there's there's Mark Allen. You want a, a picture of a, a college football coach who's run the gamut There's and been successful at doing what you do. There's Buddy Leonard. Um, it's well, I, I think the common the commonality is, and, and I won't speak for Mark, but I view Mark as similar, is... Um, I'm not sure, and I, and I don't mean to get crazy here, but I'm not sure there's enough soldiers out there anymore. And I think I, I, I view Mark as I view myself as nothing special, but purely as a soldier that, you know, willing to work for, um, as Bo Schembechler used to say, the team, the team, the team. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I think that's what Mark epitomizes, and I hope I've done the same thing. Yeah, I agree. The passion, the passion, desire. I can remember, uh, Frank, we, we were, uh, I think uh, we, were, we had to play uh, Central Connecticut. It was a JV game. And oh, you, yeah. And, and you came to me and said, Mark, I really need you to go to this game. Because I didn't travel, like, with, that was back, back in the 
eight thousand dollar a year days and um and you know and, and they, he was just so passionate and, yeah i went to central connecticut and you know did, i think we did we win that game that jv game yeah we went up there yeah we you just wanted to win so bad against central yeah, yeah, we went up there at, and played him at Central Connecticut. Yeah, I remember that. No, Co- no question. Coach, I'll it. tell you what, guys like Mark are the smartest guys in athletics because they never have to move either. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. Hey, there's no doubt about that. Now, I, I, I can say this. I envy um, folks who have had enough discipline and passion for one school that they didn't let the um, – the enticement of what goes on in athletics to stir them away to maybe a program that might have given them uh, maybe a little more financial uh, uh, benefits. But I just think that's great. I, I honestly, sincerely, uh, on my father's rosary beads, I just think that's terrific that he could clock in 40 years and be such a, an icon at one school. I think there's so much to be said for that. And I think we're absolutely losing that in our profession and in sports as a general. And, and, and I truly believe that. And I, that's a testament to Mark to be able to do that and his family, his wife, and his, and his family to be able to do that. But, Coach, here's the great thing. Uh, just as you have mentored others, players, assistant coaches, et cetera, over the years, uh, Mark's mentored an awful lot of people here oh, I at, bet. At, at West Conso. Things yeah, I, things will get left in good hands. Are they the supple hands of Mark Allen? Not necessarily, but they can become those uh, because he's done a I'm great sure. job doing that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you have a great you have a great crew, Mark Allen. Yeah, sure, we do. I and you know we've as I said we've progressed over the years. Yeah, how much has it grown? How much has the athletic training program grown since you've been here? Well, tr- well, it went like Frank said. It went from a, literally, and I'm not. <laughs> when Frank says a closet, it, it was. It was a storage closet. Was it a big closet? It, at least? Yes. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you, you do with what you have. Just like they were doing on the football, we yep. had everyone playing on that one field. Um, yeah. you, you just had to make it work. Um, yeah, I can remember playing our, our first night game with portable lights on the really? field. You know, they brought in portable lights, or we'd play at Danbury High, uh, Danbury High School, Coast Guard. You know, with their they had more fans in the beginning. We telling us, uh, you know, you pay our tuition. They were yelling out, and you know, yeah, 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 absolutely. That that turned quickly though. You know, yeah, that's yeah after, after a couple after a couple years, you know, I didn't you didn't hear that too much. No. Uh, you know, once we get, you know, the Hackett's and the, you know, uh, Prunties. Do they ever come and, around, Mark? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still talk to them. I still talk to, you know, the Peter Fitzpatricks. I see John Adams. You know, there's a bunch of guys that, you know, you, they, that you hear from, you know, every now and then. Now, you were friendly with Jamie Prunty, is that right? Yeah, he's going to the Hall of Fame this, this coming fall. Is, so he, he, uh, Joe was telling me he still owns the sack record? Yeah, still owns a sack record. There's a dispute with a guy that was really good in the late '90s, but uh, but uh, on paper he still owns the sack record. Yes. Now is Glenn Worthy in the Hall of Fame? Sticker, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh Glenn, yeah. yeah. You know Kevin yeah, Galaz. So, I remember Kevin oh, or you know. Oh my God! What was he? A six foot two, six foot three free safety yeah. in Division Three. Yeah. Yeah. We had. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to reminisce. I could reminisce all afternoon. My God. <laughs> 
you know, it's about uh, you, my friend. This is about you. That's well, great. it's about me, but it's about the players that were, you know, with us. Yeah. You know, that made it so enjoyable. You know that you know that, you know that still come back. You know, and, sure. and, and visit. Um, you know, and how successful they've become too. You know, yeah. I think that's you know when you look at that and you look at these guys like Atkinson. You know, Michael Epps, who was a, a no big deep player. He's a he's a water. I think he just retired from the Waterbury Police Department. Right. Um, right. You know, Mike Magura. Oh yeah. You know, um, Bobby I, Rapkin. Isn't Bobby, Bobby Rapkin a lawyer? I that I don't know. Yeah, I think he practices law. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do I remember the um, the Mike McGurr story I remember is we were um we were at Wagner, I wanna say it uh -huh. was and um I was by myself as a trainer, you know, early on and we had a ton of injuries, so I remember him coming out of the game and I said, Hey Coach P you know you know that uh, I gotta check him out and I didn't get out till late and the walk from the field to the it was like pretty far and of course they didn't have golf carts and I'm carrying my kits and stuff. By the time I get back there, the game's already, you know, gone. I had said to their trainer, I remember, listen, I might be a little late because I got a, a couple guys that I need to really look at. And McGurr's in the game. And he literally, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but they had that um, th that really good um, defensive player on their team. And he came back, come right around the corner and broke two of his ribs to the point where completely broke him not just like oh yeah it's a, you know you could feel the cracking so i had to go up to paul and you know and say hey listen i need to take you know your fullback out of the game he's you shouldn't be in there and you know paul gets focused when it's game time you know but yeah. uh, you know but just stories yeah, that, like that. that i think that was in 80 that was in 86 or 80 that was in 86 right uh, i don't know the year yeah that was 1986 yeah, yeah. So, so, Coach, I uh, got a quick question for you. So, Go ahead. You guys left the New England Football Conference and then went independent? I had never heard of yeah. it before. So what was yeah, the reason what for happened that? Was, well, yes, I think so. Um, when I left to go to Central Connecticut in 85, I think – now, this is where I get, I get a little clouded. Um, again, I was just talking about this with Coach Adagio this morning. Um, I, I'm not sure if AB – 82, 83. I'm not sure if 85 they left the NEFC, but in 86, I know they left the NEFC. Um, and so, but when I came back, it seems like, no, we were, we were still out of the NEFC. And uh, um, yeah, and they did a great job. They did a great job. Again, I think they took Springfield to the wire. They beat Hofstra. And uh, that was a huge jump for Western Connecticut, who, as Mark already alluded to, uh, no more than five years prior, had different color helmets and different jerseys. Never mind, and with 35 guys on the team. Never mind playing Hofstra and Springfield College, who at the time was a powerhouse. Wilmington, um, Albany. Wilmington. Oh yeah. Albany. No um, Salisbury State. Salisbury State. Salisbury State. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not. Chris got put into a pretty tough situation there. No doubt. You no know, doubt. No um, doubt about it. You know, yeah, and no doubt about it. He got tough. You know, he got it went from, you know, you know, good football, but then we started playing some, uh, you know, we started playing some people. You know, and, and Chris did a good job, uh, and he really did get. You know, and and you know, I went from coaching defense to offense, and I always tell people that uh, in that was the hardest thing I ever did 
starting to learn how to coach the offensive line, which thank God I did. But that first year, I don't think I did a very good job. I worked at it. I certainly worked at it. But, you know, the combatants of the schedule and and, uh, and me being, uh, you know, wet behind the ears coaching the old line after Coach Adagio left, that was a tough deal. And Coach Rippon handled it very, very well. Yeah, I, I think you and uh, Joe could probably speak to the fact that when you go independent, you, you know, you don't have those look at the – Look at your schedule, and you can say, "Okay, there's a there's a W, there's a W." No one wants to play you. Yeah. Uh, the, the only teams that are going to play you, or pretty much, are the teams that are going to that think they can beat you. Well, you know, that or, was or, a problem or, with the NEFC because they didn't really want state schools and state schools that were becoming successful. Plymouth State, yeah. Westcon. Um, there was sort of a prejudice out there, and now you're independent, and it's like. Okay, there are people who want to play us, but uh, they've had a little jump on this on this game. Yeah, uh, in, in yeah. Terms of a, you know, at, at that time, they had a few more resources, certainly yeah. than Western Connecticut at that time, and so that puts you, as Coach Pascaloni used to say, in the deep end of the pool. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, I mean, programs so. like Hofstra back in the day, Coach Leonard and Mark, they were gearing up to try and move up and move the one double A. Yeah, you know, yeah. to to Joe Gardy. Joe Gardy, God rest his soul, did a great job. Right. They had some terrific coaches. Dave Brock, who eventually, I mean, you know, he coached at Western Connecticut, and uh, and they had some great coaches. Dan Quinn, they had a bunch of, you know, I don't know if those guys were coaching at that time, but that that place was serious about football. So Dave, you're right. Dave Brock has a, ruptures his spleen in a home game and won't go to the hospital until the game's over. I don't know if you remember that. No, I don't. Him. No. No, no. But Dave and I worked together at Kansas State, and to this day we remain very, very close friends. But another Western guy, Western Connecticut guy. Yep. Whew. Unbelievable. Hey, Coach Leonard, I can't, I can't thank you enough for making a, a second video trip. Oh, I love it. Yeah, this is short I mean, notice Joe, too. Joe, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Joe uh, got in contact with me, and and uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm technologically completely challenged but i'm like oh my i'm heading home tomorrow back to boston and uh my computer's packed up and joe said well you can do it on your phone i'm so uh, a couple of the younger coaches i'm like i want to do this so, I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. so, so you did so you did go to the young coaches so, i was wondering yeah. if you pulled it off yourself so, so you had to go no, to the young I, coaches. A little bit. I'm a the same, bit. Joe. I All right. and yeah. Frank, I, I'll ask my graduate I, assistants to do that for me yeah I, I, you know what in this world of football now you you either survive with, uh, you know, with the technology, or you're not going to survive. So I figure, at least for a couple more years, I better try technology. So thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you coming on again. Thanks, Coach. Frank. Appreciate and, it. And we want to wish you the best at uh, at Penn State. All right. And say hello to Stephen. Thank you so much. I will. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll talk to Steve uh, tomorrow, like I do every morning. And yeah, I'll hey, if you, yeah, okay. if you want to let Coach Adazio know, we'd love to get him on here, too, talk about West Coast football. I'll tell him that. I absolutely will. Yeah. Have a nice night, guys. I'll okay. see you, Coach. Bye, Bart. Take care. Okay. Bye, Frank. Take, take care, care, Coach. Oh, man, we're going to take a little break here on the West Coast Football Podcast. We thank Buddy Leonard for being with us. Uh, just just one of the best and, uh, and a really integral part of that uh, the football program here getting to move forward as is our special guest mark allen man in retirement uh 
<laughs> Mayor of Leisure now. Right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But you know, I th- is the Bruins still got a coaching opening? Trainer opening. Uh, okay, trainer opening. Well, actually, the I, trainer is a Westfield State guy. Just retired this year. Uh, yeah, well, we, we'll find out about that and more when we return. Bart Pasterna, Coach Joe Loth, the man, the myth, and the legend, and of course. The trainer supreme, Mark Allen. This is the Westcom Football Podcast. We thank Pooch behind the, the glass for hooking up Coach Leonard with us. And who knows? Pooch may not be done. Uh, <laughs> but, and the Westcom Football Podcast certainly isn't. Come back with us. We'll be uh, away for just a brief moment. Folks, today's podcast sponsored by Vision Designs. Vision Designs, a full-service screen printing, embroidery, signage, and promotional company offering their services to the tri-state and New England regions. Since 2003, they've had the reputation as an industry leader in all their fields of operations. Vision Designs, proud sponsor of Westcon Football and the entire program, my friends. You can contact them through their website, visiondesignsct.com visiondesignsct.com or you can call their main number 203-778-9898 Westcon Football Podcast returns Bart Bisterna, Coach Joe Loth and Mark Allen are, uh, you know, what was it, the Dean Martin Celebrity Roasts are... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Our man of the hour plus. Well, Frank uh, has to watch what he says because I, I, I imagine we have stories on him. <laughs> and Mark, we have a special call-in guy who wants to uh, congratulate you on your retirement. Uh, so here's Mr. Ed Farrington. Mark, it's Ed. Congratulations. Thanks, Ed. I, uh, you picked a good time to leave. <laughs> <laughs> said i mean i can say the same about you uh leading us all and, and you know and, and giving us that space we needed and then if we needed to be brought in to you know for whatever the reason to go over something you certainly did that and i, I learned a lot uh under you and i appreciate that uh, thanks for saying that and ed will be joining mark in the uh, westcon hall of fame coming up soon enough he's not in already are you in mark or not yeah oh no oh, yeah, mark's yeah. in mark's in I, I, for some reason, I was in the Wayne Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got in before I retired. They have to wait five years. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yes, but but Ed will be in there uh, coming up if we ever have that ceremony, Ed. Um, and and uh, Jamie Prunty, former Westcon football uh, standout, will be there as well right. for in that particular in that particular group. So it's like it's like Hall of Fame Day as well right. here. Yeah. On the West Con podcast, Ed, did you hear any of the Frank Leonard? Uh? I heard, I heard part of it. Not okay, it. yeah. Well, he was. Um, you know, we alluded to the, those early years, and I think you would have a, a great insight into a lot of the, you know, how that program developed um, under Paul and moving forward and under you. And um, 
you know, and that certainly well, was. Well, let me just tell you one of the, the one of the great stories involving Frank Leonard and you, <laughs> uh-uh. and and Chris Rippon and that staff in uh, Rippon's second year. Uh, you may you may recall that we were uh, at that time we were playing an independent schedule, just starting that out. And we had a we had a Saturday night home contest with uh, what was then called Trenton State, which is now called the College of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And you may remember the weather from Friday through Saturday was a torrential downpour. And you know, we all can also remember that uh, the, what we called the field was really no more than crabgrass and mud. <laughs> and, and, and once the re- the first rain came, uh, the, yeah. the crabgrass got lost. And of course, we were way beyond that. So I can recall all the football coaches, probably yourself, and anybody that could handle a squeegee and a broom, right? Being on that field all day and all afternoon, and and uh, and Trenton State, and if you remember. And, and, of course, Joe, you coached the Kings, so you know what their facilities were like even back then. Yep. Uh, Trenton State had a football facility that was modeled on Cornell, uh, a, a mini version, and it was just magnificent. It was one of the first really gorgeous state complexes was, I went to. Was Coach Hamilton the coach there at that time? Do you know Eric Hamilton? Yeah, Eric Hamilton was the coach. Yep. Uh, their president at that time, I can't remember his name, was was really starting to use athletics and advance the mission of the college, and and they arrived to the to the Midtown campus field, <laughs> and and the indoor locker room space, which as some people may recall, was no more than about 35 or 40 uh, narrow lockers in the women's locker room. Uh, and they were they were gonna dress probably 75 to 80 kids. And then the rains kept on coming and kept on coming. And, uh, uh, and, and to make it short, uh, Western just pummeled them just literally pummeled him. Uh, and at the end of the game, as, as I'm basically skipping off the field, I got, I got physically and verbally accosted by the president of the university, as well as Eric, Eric Hamilton, <laughs> uh, who, then, who then followed us into the, uh, in, into the uh, Bill Williams gym. And uh, and mates and I think there might have been a cheerleader or a captain of the cheerleaders. You'd have to check with Frank. You'll know this story very well. Verbally accosted Frank, and and, 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 and Frank momentarily forgot that he was a state employee. But it was a great <laughs> yeah. Really, you have real great moments like that, and that was that was one of them. And you know, and there weren't a lot of them in, in that era that started, unfortunately, that Chris Rippon entertained, but we still had a bunch of kids who competed at that level, so that was a great time for us. <laughs> yes, yeah, I agree. They, that was a tough spot for Chris to be in. Hey, Ed, we were mentioning, so maybe you could clarify, 
Um, it, when the team went independent, it left the New England Football Conference. Um, was there any major factor? Because there'd always been the rumor that the NEFC really wasn't fond of state schools, uh, so to speak. I never had this conversation in depth with with Paul Pascaloni, but you may re, you may recall back in back in that run we were having in the New England Football Conference, Plymouth State and Western were typically on the top of that conference, vying uh, to get a, to to get into the NCAA tournament, and at that time. You didn't have an automatic bid per league like you do now. Uh, so it really mattered if you could pick up one, two, or three independent games averse, with, with somebody outside that, con- that conference uh, to build up your credentials. And Paul and the coach at Plymouth Actually, I, I, I know I was thinking of his name the other day. Uh, Jay, he's actually from West Hartford, went back and coached at West Hartford. Was Deloge? Lou Deloge? No, it wasn't Lou Deloge. Uh, he went back and coached. His father was a longtime successful uh, high school coach at West Hartford. But those two schools, Western being one, were having a long run, a long run conversation about leaving the conference and, and and to play a better schedule so so we weren't going to get bogged down with some of the teams in that league and Paul didn't realize at that time and I wasn't actively involved in it at that time but the AD at, at Plymouth State John Clark who ultimately turned out to be one of my best friends and ultimately was the one that got us into the Massachusetts uh, State College after another one or dust-ups with conference membership. There's no way that John was going to let Plymouth State leave being affiliated with the, with the New England schools. He was, he was deeply rooted in, in that conference and with those people. And once he, they decided to leave and then, and then Paul left and allegedly and I never confirmed this I never talked to John Clark about it allegedly the story was with a they were not happy with Western for looking to leave the conference uh, and B uh, they thought that Western had made a commitment to stay in the conference and I don't know if that was a commitment with first of all I don't know if it would if that's a factual statement but I don't know if that was a commitment from uh from Paul at that time or whoever was in charge of, on the administrative side of, of football who would have been Frank Muska but there there was a that left a, a, a taste with all the old bulls for one of a better term in in the England public schools about where Western was going to be and I, I, I'll tell you that it took us uh, Chris Rippon, uh, Ken Brasington, uh, 
John Servino to the very middle to the end of John Servino's run before before we were admitted back into the family of New England when we joined the Freedom Football Conference. And I don't know, and you'd have to check the records, but I don't know if we if we were 500 for at least eight to nine years. Yeah, I think it was, it was 1995 might have been the next time they yeah, they're it, it, was, it was just painful. Uh, we, we've gone through a couple of painful episodes like that. But, uh, and of course, Joe coached there a, a couple of times. Uh, and, and Bart, you and I remember, and Mark does, I still think to this day that the Freedom Football Conference, which included Plymouth and Western Coast Guard, Merchant Marine Academy, uh, Springfield College, uh, WPI, uh, Norwich University, I still think to this day it's the best football co- division three football conference that was ever put together uh, in, in New England, uh, and and some of the coaches involved at, at that time. Uh, of course, Paul, Paul, you know, Paul wasn't there, but we were we were just entering that. Thing. You had Tommy Bell at Coast Guard Academy. Yeah. You had Don Brown at, at Plymouth State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Charlie Provado, who had great success at the at Merchant Marine Academy, uh, and, a, uh, and, and a few other guys who, who went on to have really good careers. It was a great league, and it was a sad moment for for Western in particular. You know when that league fell apart, and of course after that we had to make one or two more changes in conference membership. Oh, absolutely! I thought it was a market that was you know. Despite the fact that you know some of those places were hall for Westcon, Westcon, yeah. and no matter what conference we seem to be in, uh, we always seem to be. Well, that's a trek going yeah. to Westcon. So the outer edge school, right? Yeah, but but it was vice versa. I mean, going to going to Norwich, Mark. Oh, the, oh yeah, my the gosh! Great, the great thing about that conference, as I recall, was that Springfield College was was really always. Uh, the lead program, uh, Mike DeLong, who was the head coach, and I should have mentioned him, uh, was legendary in New England with running the the wishbone. His kids were well-trained from the moment they went in. And as Joe can tell you, if you only play against it once a year, it's virtually impossible to put a game plan together that could be executed. But along with Springfield College, always been being usually at the top every year or every two years somebody would challenge them western challenged them for a couple of years plymouth challenged them uh you know for for a couple of years uh the uh, the you know back in the day when d3 football uh, was just beginning and 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 they were doing the radio broadcasts of d d3 football on Friday and Saturday night, I mean the broadcast the broadcast of of Western at Springfield was a classic. It really was. It was a classic. And I don't know if they still broadcast games or if they still do games. I mean the league sort of dissipated with a kind of interregional uh, interest. I think once the freedom folded, but it was really uh, 
a great time to be involved in, in Western football. Yeah, we had good players uh, also back then, right, Ed? I mean, I want to say Matt Lefevre was yeah. in that group. I, Ed, I can remember the one game during that period was we were – we were away at Springfield, and I want to say John Servino opened the game with an onside kick. We recovered. We went and scored, and it was a game that we won by, I think. It was like one of those games. Like 54, like, 52 Yeah, one a game like that. Do you recall it? And I think that may have been one of the years that we we won the league conference. Yeah, and, but, and, and you know, uh, Mark, as you'll find out as you get a couple of years older, the scores won't pop up in your mind. <laughs> I just remember the onside kick. I'm going, what the hell is he doing? But I, 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 I'm sure Barb remembers, and Joe, Joe who's a, who, who chronicles these things, the scores of the West Hart, West Con, uh Springfield games, yes. I mean, they were usually in the high 30s or 40s. And frequently went down to the last series or two, one way or the other. Uh, yeah. They were they were really great games, uh, and uh, it it was you guys. Some of the other league the games were really competitive, but nothing had that nothing had that kind of uh, uh, of, of classic game to it. I think one of the reasons was not only did you have two two good teams, but Mike DeLong was a great coach and a class guy. And we used to recruit a lot of those kids. They, you know, they were they they did a, they did Springfield has always had a tremendous amount of success recruiting, obviously Western Massachusetts, but also Connecticut with with a, with a lot of great kids and a lot of great average kids. What Joe would call a, a two or a three, a kid <laughs> to, that could go there and get involved in the wishbone, which didn't require tremendous athleticism or size and, and, and just be successful with it. Yeah, Springfield is Springfield is wild. Still doing a good job up at Springfield. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know it's one of those I always say Springfield's kinda got it figured out how you at this level cross athletics and academics into like kind of one mission of the school. I mean they recruit a certain type of kid but every kid there is really involved in athletics and the administration and the, everything about it is really evolves around this athletic academic kind of mission they have. No, yeah. Hey, they, they, they got a, they got we got Teddy Hines from uh, Springfield. Yeah. They have a unique situation Joe and of course, you know, uh, uh, Mark went to Westfield, so he's aware of that. He, he he was at Westfield in that conference, but the one thing about about Springfield College, and I don't know if it still exists to this day because I don't know if, you know, back in the day they had a tremendous amount of uh, numbers in their physical education uh, uh, education program, and I think those that program sort of waned off a little bit. But the one thing they, they, they always have is not only did they have athletes, but even the majority of, of the general student population had been involved in athletics yep. in high school. So everybody on that campus, and including the faculty and the administration, they all had a sense of how, how important it was, even at a Division three level, and how much effort the kids put into it. So they, they had a unique sense of where where that whole mindset was. I mean, kids in the dorm knew what it was going to be like if somebody who played the, 
you know, volleyball or field hockey or soccer came back at night to eat dinner after they got beat somewhere or if they had won a game. So uh, there was there was a tremendous amount of pride on that whole campus, and it it always has made it. Uh, and I always felt candidly that one of the hardest things about being a Western, and we're not the only ones, was was to make the athletic culture and the place of athletics on campus uh, much more important to the general population, uh, both faculty and students. And that's a real challenge. But as, as Joe, Joe Wolf mentioned, that they, they've got the model that could make it work. You know what else? You know what? You know what's replaced phys ed there, and they still have a phys ed program, but exercise science, and their kind of sports, you know, yeah. performance is kind of taken over that, and it still kind of drives their school. Kind of the that that program probably a little more than phys ed now because phys ed's probably not as important as it used to be. No, Coach Pirelli is uh, is a Springfield yeah, person, yeah. right, Julianne? Yep. Yeah. Yes, yeah. she used to yeah. coach there too. She's our she's our new. Uh, uh, what what is that called? Faculty rep. Yes. Yeah. Julie yeah. Pirelli. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and like and like you said, she's starting to push the exercise physiology part, the human performance, yeah. which is important. That's what the kids want, and yeah. she has that that three two athletic training program now. Let me and, let me tell us. Let me interrupt. Sure. Mark. Let, let me tell you about some of Mark, uh, Alan, and Ed Farrington's lack of successes. <laughs> Yes. I can think so, of two, Ed. Yeah, I know. Uh, we're moving into the O'Neill Center, or we're planning to move into the O'Neill Center and, and expand, the, expand the facilities. So at that time, uh, the athletic department was not able to award uh, academic credits. Uh, the kids could get an activity class credit through physical education, through the physical education department, but it wasn't a war. We just made a recommendation. So Mark, Mark came to me and, and did all the legwork. And we went to uh, Walter Bernstein, who at the time was the uh, vice president of student affairs. I reported to him. And uh, the phys ed department chair. So we, wanted, we wanted to make a pitch to have an athletic training minor not a major, a minor, that, that, would be, that would be governed, that would be governed by the physical education department, that would be a, that would be a high level minor. Uh, am I right, Mark, so yes. far? Yes, yes. Yeah, fill in some of the details because you remember better than I do. Well, I mean, the goal was to create a, a major in athletic training and, and the, to, to make the short in the story, we, uh, the phys ed department, uh, Dr. No, I don't even know. One of the de- members of the athletic, <laughs> of the then department, um, was against it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving the names off. Yeah, I'm going to leave the name off too. But there was one in in um, in that person, pretty much, you know, put an end to that that effort, uh, mainly because she uh, they thought there were too many athletic training programs in the state already, and and it's back then it would have. You know, we would have really been on uh, solid ground because there were. Well, he's saying that, and there's a certain aspect, but and then I'll mention another program, then I'll get back. So, along with that, the same year, we're going to open up the the O'Neill Center, and I had gone through about a year 
there was there was quite a bit of planning for the old deal center to open up how we were going to fund fund it what we were going to do with it and i came on a, a, a perchance meeting at an nca convention with a group of businessmen uh whose business was using college venues to have intercollegiate events and I can't think of the exact name, you know, Spectre, it's not important who the, you know, the companies were, but at that time, one of them was running uh, the Gamble, another was running the facilities up in Springfield. So anyway, to make a long story short, we were going to, we decided to get involved in that operation. And they were going to be a, a staff of four, three to four people whose, whose goal was going to be to, market the O'Neill Center for concerts and shows and trade shows, etc. And at that, I took a look at that. And I went to Walter Bernstein and said, this would be a great idea for us to come involved and have a sports management curriculum. And again, the athletic department uh, wouldn't have, wouldn't run it. We wouldn't take it but we would coordinate it through the school of business uh who had a bunch of minors you could minor in accounting or you know marketing or whatever and i thought the fact that we're, there were two or three schools right in new england that were all connected with uh with, with these kinds of businesses that it would be a perfect location that we we could go and get get some uh, uh, some students possibly who might have been involved in accounting or in human resources, but at that time, and this was something that was just starting to take a little bit of interest with, with students, get involved in sports management or athletic administration. So we met at that time uh, with a with a dean of the business school, uh, who subject summarily uh, dismissed it as they didn't have time to do it. Now. Being retired from Western, I can say this, uh, uh, Marcus probably still didn't even <laughs> oh. me. But there were, two th- there were two things that were going on at this time. When, when it came to the athletic training piece, candidly, the people in the phys ed department were afraid if they hooked up with, with athletics that, that we would become the, the horse pulling the cart. And this had, this was shortly after they had just divided the, the programs. Either you could be in the athletics department or the phys ed department. So they didn't want anything that smacked of the athletic department getting ahead of itself. And, of course, many of them were not particularly happy when, when Pascaloni was the head football coach for a variety of reasons, which is not important. The second thing with the business school, which was, which was really, really ironic, they didn't want to get involved in this this program would have been a winner for students uh, because of it, because they it, it was at that moment that they were beginning to reapply for accreditation in New England as a business school. Now, some of you on the other end of the line may laugh about that, but I don't know if Western ever got accredited as a business. Yeah, school. we're we're accredited now. Okay. So I'll, I'll I'll take that beating, but it must have taken Joe twenty five years. <laughs> I, th- I think it happened like four or five years ago. You know what's funny about that story you're telling, Ed, is you know I go on the road recruiting every year. I have these kids fill out this questionnaire, 
So they're asking for what major they want to be. Before I even tell them what majors we have, I'm sitting in these high schools and, hey, fill this out, this questionnaire. They do it online now. So I get this list of what kids want to major in before actually we start recruiting them. And the number one major by far that we don't have is sport management. Like it's the, it's the list. It's that. It's uh, athletic training a little bit. And it's uh, the third one is – uh, phys ed because we're a health education school i don't know if we've ever had a kid ask for health education but phys ed is but sport management by far is the number one major and every year i yeah. kind of send that list over to our our people yeah. over here yes. and, so, I mean, and do know, with it whatever they want you know we, 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 you know, we and the thing would have been really unbelievable we could have had interns at western we could have shipped them out to some of the other local colleges to work uh the uh at that that time, there were companies like MSG or Spectacor yep. and, and others uh, uh, who were who were involved, and it would it would have it would have changed, the, in my judgment, it would have changed the whole the whole face of the operation in athletics. But the, the, the people just didn't see it; they were afraid of the future. Absolutely, no. There's yeah, <laughs> and it's it's. You know, you guys were like Nostradamus back in the yeah. in the day because you can still you is. could see what was what was coming down the pipe. And it's still it's still one of those things that kids are you know it it, it was that hot major that's turned into a very hot major continues to be for kids out there. Oh, and, and look, I mean, you've got guys, former Westcon athletes, uh, and you remember Mark, you remember Josh Reese, right? Sure. You know, and he's been involved in uh, in the sporting life post. His Westcon career, and uh, with a company that that works with a lot of sporting events all around, uh, you know it's. Uh, but he had to go and maneuver his way and find his way when it could have been right here at the uh, at the doorstep. We could have been the epicenter at Farrington, the epicenter. Well, you know, some some of that was the beginning. And, and continues, I think it, it, it was sort of the beginning for people who ultimately got into athletic administration not to be the old coach. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's when a lot of people who were interested in athletics and maybe competed, usually competed at some level, but decided they want to get involved in it on the business side of what they thought was the business side. That really, that really changed the face of. Well, look what you're doing now. You could, you could probably have a Division One uh, administrator or relief. Or on the business side of the, the, the of the sports have have turned so much so that the, the idea where they, you know, the old football coach or the men's basketball coach just slid into the seat as the athletic director. And then, and then left, and that kept that operation going. I mean, that's a, that's a model that hasn't existed probably for fifteen or twenty years. Yeah, definitely. That has definitely changed. Very rarely do you see the head coach of any sport get promoted uh, above to become the AD anymore. It's always a true administrator. Yeah, and we, and, and to the other point, yes. Ed, we could have had right now in, in schools all over the country, we could have had a flock of mini Mark Allens. At all yeah, these schools. Let me tell you one of the things, I don't know if Mark's mentioned it to you, that a lot of people don't know. They just inherited. When when I got when I got to Western, uh, you know, 
Mark Service football, and and we 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 were the benefactor of having Dr. Craig Foster, who at that time was a partner in Danbury Orthopedic, and and loved sports and loved Mark, and signed on to be uh, the, the the football doctor for for football, uh, and. I mean, their operation at Danbury Orthopedic was really like a mom and pop store then as compared to now, but it was always very, very legit. And I'm sure, and when you do, when you do those things, you get involved. You also know that there's a quid pro quo. You do the football kids. Uh, uh, Greg would come into the office once, uh, into the training room once a week to check. Uh, other coaches started that and send the kids down there. So that's the way, that's the way that business operates. But what Mark did along with that was that he developed a relationship with a woman named Val Ramsdale, whose married name is now Val Omasla, who just who just retired, was like uh, the patron saint of physical therapy in, in the greater Danbury area. And Mark came up at that time, was able to convince Val to fund an intern two <laughs> okay, right yeah actually we had we, we were able to get two graduate assistants and they yeah, would they two, would two, in, two interns yeah and we would have time it with them we we'd, I'd have them go over there in the morning unheard of at this time for a school like Western absolutely unheard of particularly given the fact that we were not a, a physical education majors program or an athletic training and we funded that program and and, and the kids went through Subsequently, and I, I may be off on this, subsequently there became a, a time where I think uh, Danbury Orthopedic couldn't fund as much as they did, and, and we were able to replace half of it with, with through the athletic budget. Yeah, and I also think, Ed, the, the important thing was you were able to bring on a third full-timer yeah. uh, in Pete, and that kind of limited the money we had on our end. on, yeah. on per- So then we just went down to one GA after that. So he, he deserves all the credit for that. 
Well, thank you, Ed. But, you know, and like you said, we've, I've had great support. And although we've tried, both of us, we tried to hire, I think, people that were, had the same ilk as us. And I keep on going back to the Paul Pascaloni, you know, upbringing. Uh, and you were right, right there. It's just the, the whole mentality of what you need to do and how you get it done. And, um, and, and that's when I, Pete and Pat fit that mold also. But the interesting thing, and, and I know Joe's having these, uh, has had, uh, uh, I don't know if you've had Rip on yet. I know I still Yeah, he was on last week. You know, it hasn't been posted yet. The, 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 the one, you know, Paul was... Paul wasn't exactly loquacious. Let me say that. <laughs> okay, so, you know, it, it, if you sat down with him in a conversation, you know, it, it, it was like watching an abbreviated conversation from either like Goodfellas or Casino. <laughs> you know, how we were going to handle it. But the one thing he always used to say, and he would say this about the people, particularly some of the other coaches at Western and other people is you only should worry about something that puts points on the board. That's what matters. And it wasn't just a football score. You have to matter care about something that makes a difference. And then you have to figure out who you are and how do, how do you protect who you are so you don't go off on, on all sorts of tangents one way and, and, and forget what your mission is. And, and that's one of the things, as, as Mark said, that every one of those guys that came through coaching with him between uh, between Ripon and Adazio, and we had uh, March Petrasio, uh, you know, and, and, and a couple other guys, Alex Traseco was with us for a while. Yes, the whole Southern Connecticut uh, connection. Well, minus, uh, you know, Adazio and and Frank were central guys. Well, you go back to George DeLeon and those guys at Southern and stuff. Jimmy Vicario. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Football, Jim Vicario. (laughs) Right, Ed? (laughs) (laughs) He's going to listen to this. That's okay. He's he's in Florida, uh, retired somewhere. Yeah, I I saw that. I'm on Facebook. Yeah, he's he's a football. That used to be so much fun on the... Because you had the uh, you had the part-time car guys. Yeah. Vicario, Farrington, and John Zinzer, right? Coach Zinzer, huh? Coach Zinzer, senior. And then and then the rest, the fellow who was a wrestling coach at Ridgefield, uh, and I can't think of his name. I don't know if it was Costello or Cotel. I can't think of it. But if Al Trimper would listen to this, he would know immediately. Yeah. And, <laughs> I don't and, see and, Al listening to this, though. Okay. So so we'd get in a car because we were all coming out of a high school job somewhere, and the bus would be driving somewhere in New England, and all of us get in at like 3 or 3.30. And the great the great story with, with Vicario, of course, he didn't not, notice this, uh, but if you started a conversation 10 minutes outside of the White Street campus and you took a nap for three hours and 15 <laughs> minutes to go to Westfield State or wherever, by the time you pulled into the lot and woke up, Jim Ficario was just wrapping that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but a great guy. Like so oh, many, great guy. So many of the, uh, of the coaches. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for... For checking in, yeah, appreciate a, a, you coming on. A final farewell for uh, for Mark Allen. Well, Mark.
Mark and I commiserate. We talk, yeah. uh, uh, you know, so it's not like we haven't spoken and, and kept on contact. Uh, I think I'm, I'm hoping that uh, if he contacted me and told me he was going to be doing something with a, a local prep school or, or, or a hockey program somewhere, which is which is his uh, his first love or his second love, uh, I would be happy. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm I'm fearful for him. <laughs> that if he's home too long, you know that that somewhere around every other Thursday afternoon, Terry's going to say, "Can we take a ride to Massachusetts and visit the kids?" Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, but you know, uh, he's uh, he's a guy you're going to remember, and, and and it's nice, I think, that for uh, you've given Joe the opportunity to do this. Because, I think it's the other way around. <laughs> well, you know, because there are—it's a lot of fun to talk about some of the old things, and, and and people move on, and you don't know. And listen, and Mark can tell you this, uh, and Joe can tell you this because he's coached through two different eras or so at Western. Uh, you have kids come in, coaches come in in particular. We went through a running kit. Just going to tell you this: Why? When you close this up, but typically I would hire one or two people for sports in the early two thousands, and they were really bright people, and they would be looking at Western, and they would be looking at the at Western as it was in the nineties and into the early two thousands, and they had no frame of reference of how hard it was they just they, you know they just, and mark frequently would sit on search committees because i would always put him on a search committee and one of the things we would always talk about when we're trying to decide who we're going to hire or who we're interested in is do you think they have the personality and the disposition to figure out how this place works so so you just don't get buried Am I right, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. You know what's funny about that, Ed? I think it's that perception is still there a little bit. This is not an easy school in a lot of ways to, to operate. You know, with our with with the, with some of the things in place here. So I, well, I, I mean, I could do an hour a year. Yeah. Do this. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, no. I mean, people would come on. You know, let's say for example, Danny McDonald, who I think has done a great job in field hockey, and she's been there now 15, 16 years. But Danny came in to start a field hockey program and was looking at the success in that particular time because we went through a period of time in the early 2000s maybe where football was good, men's and women's soccer was good, volleyball was good, softball was good. And, 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 and you're starting a program and anybody would say to themselves, Look at those facilities at that O'Neill Center. I can get this done in a heartbeat. Never happens. You had it. You just had. You had to get. You had to just get beat up to death before you came through the tunnel on the other side. And that's. And, and you know, Mark's seen it. Uh, and Joe's lived through it. You know, it, it's you know, it's a tough road. It's a, it, it's a tough road at Western. It, it, you know, and it's just the nature of of the building and the school. 
uh, and a lot of other factors. But I mean, it, it, it's it's not all it's not all uh, you know champagne and roses. No matter how much success some of the programs has. Well said. Thank Ed. you, Bart. Thanks, Ed. Ed, thanks so much. All right, thank you, guys. All right. I'll tell you, for me, uh, Bart, the hardest thing, you know, what, what people probably don't realize is, you know, when we go on the road, like Mark's been on every away game I've ever coached here at Western Connecticut. Literally, he's my bus mate. Like, literally, we sit one seat apart. <laughs> I sit, he's one seat behind me to my left, usually. So, you know, after big wins and after tough losses, I mean, he's probably as much a confidant as, uh, you know, as you have as a head football coach. There's sometimes an assistant coach sitting in front of him. But uh, it's been a uh, – I'm going to miss Mark as much as, as anyone uh, well, at this school. Well, Joe, I, I, I know, like, when we're on that bus, he'll, he'll, he'll get the sheets and stuff, and then he'll talk to a couple people, and then he'll, like, turn over to me and goes, what did you think? Yeah, you every, every week, right? Yeah. Because, I you know, I mean, because once again, Mark's got that great perspective of – he understands football. I mean, he's seen a lot of good football played here. He's probably seen a lot of bad football played here going way back when. Yeah. Too, that uh, – I mean that that the the end jack years. Yeah. I mean even with with uh, John John was winning. Yeah. Um, when he first took over John Burrell, and then when we got into the heart and meat of the end jack, um, we just couldn't keep up. Couldn't with Couldn't maintain, right? Yeah, couldn't maintain, couldn't recruit it, and um, you know, so that that was the other I think the second really dip in our program. Yeah. But um, but just kind of going to I think as as a head football coach, I've been a head coach at three schools now. The first school, I had a terrible uh, experience with an athletic trainer. I think she gave me a bad reference when when Mark called him about <laughs> about this job. Right? Now, I don't want to mention the guy, but but I just had a bad experience with him. And then my last school, I had a guy named Chuck Goodwin, who was a really good athletic trainer and had a good positive experience with him. But but there is a relationship between the head football coach and athletic trainer, and it, it go, it's more than just. And some of it's philosophical. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like how he approaches things, how I want things approached. And I think we've had a great relationship with I don't know if I've ever come down and, you know, pounded on the table and said, hey, what's going on? You no. know what I mean? Very rare if I have, no. right? No, not, not at all. And I think that's what a trainer hopes for with all of their coaches. And I've had really good coaches throughout my career, but we've had coaches that yeah. put more heat on the training staff. You know, um, sometimes unduly unreasonable. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's... You know, with um, Joe, if he's hurt, he's hurt. You know, with with Ryan, our, our men's lacrosse coach, the same exact ilk. You know, hey, let's get him back as quick as you can and let's move on. It's, it's not, you know, I need this kid Friday. You know, I don't know what you yeah. got to do. You know, that sort of uh, mentality. And and, um, and and I think the other thing I really appreciate about Mark is his true understanding of football. I mean, in... There are some kids, it's not an easy sport, it's a contact sport, it's a collision sport. There are some kids, especially during training camp, that, that are, I don't want to say looking for the easy way out, but maybe looking for a day off. And, and Mark had a great understanding of a kid that was truly injured, banged up, and maybe a kid that was looking for a day off. And really his approach to athletic training is, it is something that, that I've seen the best of it, I've seen the worst of it, and I think Mark Allen is as good as any trainer I've been around. And I'm going to miss... Not only his friendship on the bus, his uh, you know, but but also his professionalism and how he how he approaches his job and how he handles his job and, and it's going to be well missed here at Western Connecticut. Yeah, no, without a doubt, and uh, I know from we've known each other what for decades, roommates. 
Basketball <laughs> seasons sometimes, right? Back in the day. I Back mean, in the day on the road. Hopefully there's no stories with that. No, I no. can't. <laughs> no, it, trust me. But by the time you back to the room, all you want to do is, is sleep because you know the call's coming early. Coach Dude. Campbell. Well, you, that's a different story. <laughs> that's some Coach Campbell story. Yeah, we won't go there. No, no. But uh, uh, marvelous years of serving. I hope some way, somehow, you'll uh, – uh, Make sure that uh, you're staying in touch with these guys. It's been a marvelous mentor. So many people over the years that that's the uh, that's why you hope. You always hope those people are going to be out there uh, staying in touch and being available. And I know you always uh, have, but you know, you, you never know. Suddenly you could go home and your wife could say, you know, we're, we're going to spend a couple of years in Europe. You know, and, uh, or, there you go. Or Mark says, I just want to go to the away game still with Western Connecticut because yeah, he knows he has a seat on the bus. <laughs> That could happen as well. But all your contributions um, have just been tremendous. I can't imagine anybody else navigating the waters as well as you have. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. It's crazy what you've seen from the humble, truly humble beginnings of Western Connecticut right. football with no field, with operating out of a closet, 30-man roster, and you've seen the ups and downs of, sure. of winning in football, up and down the errors and stuff like that. But seeing that whole journey from the beginning to the end, uh, once again, I talk about the reason we have this podcast is hopefully dig back into the history, current, past, and kind of put something out there. You've seen it all. Yeah, I, I just I love athletics. I love yeah. it I, to be compete. And the reason football is special to me because I, as a trainer, you're really involved. You're more involved in the in the actual the actual game. Yeah. You know, if, you know, maybe a kid can get back in the game. Potentially win or lose a game. You know, be, from, because of the athletic trainers. Right. Right. Without a doubt. And, and and that's always been important to me. But you know, just the I think um, being around the, you know the great players, the great the, when we finally beat Plymouth State and Adam Kent kind of yeah. kicking that 12-9. field goal. You know, and being there the the day before practicing, yeah. like we would do. Um, I heard they came the game. out and taunted the kids. Oh, they came out. They you know they were they were you know there had to be seventy five kids out there and just yeah. taunting us and, and taunting you know yeah. Kenneth when he was kicking his field goals and just you know for him to win the game then you know I'm sure it was special for Adam. I'm sure, Coach Servino handled that situation. Yeah, well. yeah. You know there was that. I mean th- there were so many that that Hofstra win. I mean, playing, you know, watching guys like Greg Boucher, Octavius. you know, Octavius McCoy, you know, um, Kevin Reed yeah. back in the day, you know, guys that were really special, you know, and, and we had a lot of um, the Hackett's early yep. on, you know, uh, you know, the Fitzies. I mean, they, I can go on and on with, you know, um, Wills from yeah, our, our receiver. Yeah, um, Connor Fallagware. Fally, um, yep. who's our most recent. Will uh, Daniels. Will Daniels, who's, you know, I don't know how we – he landed in our, you know, yep. you know, with us. But just watching those special guys and um, and the stories of Will Daniels catching up, you know, a touchdown pass in the corner and then coming back. He goes, "Oh, my dad's going to be pissed at me," you know, <laughs> you know. He goes, "I he doesn't like me talking to the other team," and I had something to say. And well, that I kid hand- said something about his mom. Too, yeah, and, and I so I handed him the ball. It didn't matter to Will. He goes, "My dad's going to be mad at me." I know it. And, you know, but he go back up, right back out, and would yeah. like be talking. I mean, a guy is double teamed all the time, yeah. and um, you know, you know, Will aren't. You yeah. know, what's a better kid than that? And, yeah. and then seeing the successes, you know, some of these kids after they leave us, you know, I mean that that's you know that's special that you get to see that. And they're and I know they're good friends of mine, and I can always count on them then, yep. and they can always count on us. I think, and uh, 
yeah, it's been a, it's been a great run. And, um, you know, and hopefully I can still be around a little because I love this, this, I love the chatter. <laughs> Plus, yeah, I love walking into the office. I was in, yeah. the, I was over in Westside talking to Joe and Alex for probably an hour today. Yeah. Nothing, just talking about, you know, what's going on with soccer and, or I'll go in the football office and, you know, with, with all the coaches, you know, and, and that, that's a, you know, yeah, camaraderie yeah. that you, you, you're not going to see in a yeah, lot of other jobs. just giving you some grief coming around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I always want to, want to thank you because you've always been more than willing uh, to tape me up. Before broadcast, of course, <laughs> taping, right. taping my mouth was, was not Difficult. what I had in mind. Two rolls of tape. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, but you you always have been. And, uh, you know, hey, look, it's, there's nothing that's, that's over. Your presence is always going to be felt, whether you're physically here on a daily basis uh, or just popping in from, from time to time because sure. uh, you're – Impact player, right, Coach Loth? Without a doubt. And, and I, I assume, as we play only four home games this fall, that if you're not in some way maybe helping out, yep. that you're going to be standing next to Dr. Brand on the sideline down there. Probably. I'm sure. That's probably right where I can I'm see I'm sure I'll be helping. It's right? Springtime's possibly a, yeah. a better time for me yeah. you know, to get back involved, depending yeah. you know, on the hiring statuses, yeah. things yeah. like that and how we proceed this summer, if we can get everyone in we need to support well, our new head trainer, Pete Algorin. Yeah, and really, you know, what's what's maybe one of the most important health-wise positions on campus, truly worrying about and, and taking care of the health needs of student-athletes immediately. So it's a, it's a position that's, you know, as much needed as any uh, position on campus. Sure. You know? Yeah, I agree, totally. And we're going to take a little break, ramp things up on the Westcott Football Podcast here. Mark Pastorna, Coach Loth, Mark Allen, our guest, and man behind the glass, the pooch. Back in a moment to close things out. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Westcott Football Podcast. Going to ramp things up. Coach Joe Loth, Mark Allen, yours truly, Mark Pastorna. We want to Thank Tactical Construction for uh, for being a sponsor. Uh, the people at Vision Designs and, and also Soho Pizza who have been helping us out and uh, just reaching out there to alumni businesses, whatever. If you're a fan of the podcast, if you love the football program, if you just love athletics here in the Hans City, maybe you're a fan of trainers. Yep. He's got his groupies, I think, right? Come up, come I don't up. know where they are. <laughs> they only like me when they're hurt. Well, come aboard and join us. We're more than glad to uh, to have you aboard and uh, make you a part of the of the Westcon football family, the Westcon athletic family. Uh, as we we wrap things up, uh, we know we've mentioned uh, some of the plans and things with forever for uh, for Mark Allen, but it's um, did you did you ever think? The journey would would take you to this particular point. Well, yeah, I did. I, I did. I, you know, I, there, there was a time when Frank was talking where you know everyone's leaving, so I'm going, man, I sh- I should probably. Was that when Ed was retiring and stuff like no, that? No, this is or Frank Leonard when all those you know because most yeah. co- college football coaches. Oh, you're thinking about getting moving. Yeah, to another moving school up, or yeah. moving up. Yeah. You know, or, you know, I applied, started applying, yeah. started you know, yep. and um, and then I just you know. Decided, you know, I don't know if I want to fly all over. I don't know if I want to be uh, yeah. Division One baseball. 
and they're still going right now um, and have a family. And I thought this was that's when I felt this possibly was the you know the, the good fit, yep. um, limited lease travel and um, you know working with good people. And I and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our current AD Lori Massa, uh, who I also think is you know stepped right in and um, you know taking us in a good direction. Without a, without a question, you, doing you know, a great job. Yeah, and um, so you know props to her also and. Um, you know, so it's hard again leaving. You know, you know when you have leadership that you're comfortable with, and um, and a lot of the people that you really like and around, and you're going to be leaving that. But as as we've you know mentioned here, there's a possibility I might be still around, and I still live in Brookfield. You know, and um, you know I'll be following the school without a doubt. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely wish you your best in your retirement. Yeah, hopefully you can uh, fill those hours with. Something productive, right? Yes, and you can still give uh, DJ my number if he yeah. needs to call me from Poland. He, he, he's going to be back you know? in two weeks. He, can't, he I was talking to him yesterday, so yeah, I'm sure if, he'll be needing a little treatment. For those who don't, yeah, he's our, was one of our quarterbacks. And, often uh, injured quarterback. Often injured, and he was um, he was just in touch with me recently, you know, <laughs> and uh, so we've been uh, you know talking back and forth. So uh, before we run away, and, uh, since you brought up injuries. I'm trying to think who who may have been the the most surprising person to just always seem to bounce back. I mean, I can remember way back in the day, Coach Zinzer's son was a quarterback, was taking punishment yeah. beyond belief. Scotty Zinzer. Yeah, tough kid like his dad, like his older brother, I think, who was in Ivy League. Mm-hmm. He had a couple pro tryouts. Yeah. Uh, yep, the yep. older Zinzer. Yes. Yeah, who are your all-time hurt guys? Oh, you always hurt had guys. To back together. I, I, I'll... <laughs> well, I'll tell you, one of my favorites and probably one of your favorites is Miguel Pickering. Oh, yeah. Um, who came in an absolute stud running back, yeah. had yeah. all the tools. Big running back. Yeah, just had it all. And just a, a great, great person. He actually was a, a principal of a, a middle school, I think, and still lives, you know, you know in Connecticut. Uh, and a kid you do anything for. But uh, he had a couple of knee injuries. Um you know, that really held him back, ACL. And, and then I remember the time I went out in the field and he was, act, Dr. Brand, when I went out and he was actually snoring, he had gotten knocked out. <laughs> so we had a, we had a backboard him for that one. But, um, you know, there's kids like that. I mean, I, I could go down the line with the kids who were, you know, hurt. And um, do you remember David Plaza? Like the, yes. the senior year, like Wednesday of his senior year, gets his foot broke so bad on the field, his face in the wrong way. Yes. Yeah, and our and the GA, you know, like get out here right yeah, way. I had yeah, gone in yeah. the same thing with with that the big Coach Trevino story about the goalpost <laughs> falling on out. him. Yeah, I wasn't there, so I I can't I can't give you any kind of account as to how that. Did you, did you have to give him treatment though? Yeah, he came into the training yeah. room. Probably Dr. Brand can give you a better insight <laughs> than I could because uh, I I think John had to go there uh, to see him for that, but. Um, you know, there, there's been many, many kids with injuries, you know, d- down the road. and um, DJ's one of the all-time ones, yeah, two D- ACLs, yeah, right? Yeah, David is, um, yeah, yeah that's, you know, that's a kid who, you know, when he finally got his chance, you know, he was just kind of like an, an outlayer yep. quarterback and finally got his chance and just, you know, rose to the occasion. Got shine. Yeah, without, without a doubt. But there's been a lot of players at WestCon that are, you know that are like that are just tough as nails, and um, and I think today's kids a little, 
you know, like they're a little bit smarter, I think, with their bodies uh, than back in the day. Back in Joe's day as a yeah. player. Well, I think football, you know, football is so much smarter than yeah. back in my day as a player as far as taking the head out of football, being smart with concussions, yes, all that stuff. That. I mean, I mean, practice is so much different. Games are different. Rules are different. So I think it's it's such a safer game now than it was back when right. I was. Right. There's no more Nebraska for yeah. you old guys that may be listening to this, you know, the Nebraska drill in, yeah. in camp where you're just banging into people. And, yeah. and that's a, a testament to, like, you know, J- Joe's philosophy and, you know, and even, you know, you know, Joe, as his his players become seniors, you know, he he, he limits the amount of hitting, pounding they take. You know, because you you well, could probably better explain it, but it's you know they know what they're doing. They just need to be helped. Well, you know what? Ultimately, you know, I've gone up to the CFL a couple times and and worked their training camps, and they don't even tackle to the first opponent they play, like in a preseason game. And you realize that you can get a lot done in football without tackling guys to the ground. And ultimately, it doesn't matter if you're coaching the Cleveland Browns, Western Connecticut, or a junior high or high school. You want to you want your starters to be healthy for that first game, because if you if your heart starter gets hurt, the next guy is usually not quite as good. So how do you get better at football and keep guys healthy? You know, it's ultimately, and it's not just me. It's every college coach in the country is kind of gravitated to that philosophy of right. you know limiting the, the the amount of true tackling you do in practice yeah and, and more of your injuries occur during practice and actually in game when you're going full go yeah you know um we've tend to found out so you know just that whole philosophy and knowledge and that that i see not, not only joe but joe you know um you know describes it in a fashion you know of uh, michigan state was it or ohio or how they follow their players uh, in, in how much contact they no, have. Ohio and, State actually, and I'm sure they're all doing it now, but five years ago, uh, they were counting every single rep that every single kid took from the day they got onto campus as they got to their junior and senior years. Once they accumulated, I don't know, 3,000 reps or whatever it is, they would limit the amount of reps those guys got because they knew there was only diminishing returns with how much better they're going to get. But also, you know, with injury-wise, almost like a pitch count with with uh, baseball right. pitchers and stuff. So there's a lot of analytics. There's a lot of how do we keep our guys healthy but get them as good as they can be. And it's funny because college football is regulated more than any sport out there. Is how long you can practice. You can't do this drill or do this drill. But nobody's doing those drills anymore, anyways, because yeah. everyone's pretty smart with trying to keep their guys healthy. Right. Right. Well, Coach Loth and Coach Allen have both been looking out for the players for. For quite some time, and uh, and we're glad it's been happening here at Westcon. Mark, I want to wish you all the best, but I, I got to see you around the ranch. Yeah, definitely. Better see you around. Yeah. Right? yeah. We'll have to track you down if we don't see you. Yeah, I'm not going nowhere, <laughs> at least for a while. Unless, unless the wife calls, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for, for Mark Allen, for Coach Loth, Bart Mister saying, join us next time on the Westcon Football podcast and for the pooch as well have a good one everybody <laughs> thanks Mark. perfect thank you thanks Mark. yeah thanks Mark. the westcon football podcast is a production of wcsu media engineered by peter puccio and produced by scott volpe listen and subscribe on spotify stitcher soundcloud and anywhere you get your podcasts please rate and review the show on apple podcasts it really helps us find new listeners Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Podcasts, and feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.